Welcome back to Mike and Maurice's Mind Escape. Let us help you escape your mind. Folks, welcome back to Mike and Maurice's Mind Escape. We have episode number 192 tonight. We are joined by Anthony Tyler. Uh, we are going to be discussing UAP gnosis and chaos theory and maybe even a little bit of chaos magic. Um, this is Anthony's, I think, third time on the show now. So, Welcome uh, back, my friend. Welcome back. And uh, before we get started here, head on over to our Patreon at patreon.com slash Podcast. For just $2 a month, you'll get exclusive guest episodes and segments. We will be doing one with Anthony after we are done going live. Uh, and I'll probably post it up there later tonight. Anybody that's not a Patreon member, it's only $2 a month. If you listen to our show, you get basically a whole other catalog of shows. I have all the YouTube and uh, audio uh, up there so you can either listen or watch. And... Uh, one more thing, head on over to indrasweb.org. This is the social media platform we created to connect open minds when discussing all these wonderful topics that we discuss on the show regularly. So uh, one more thing, if you have not already, go down to the bottom and click on the link and check out Anthony's book, The Dive Manual, or you can go to his website, divemanual.net. But without further ado, welcome back on the show, Anthony. Hey, thank you very much for having me on, guys. Um, yeah, uh, in, uh, definitely looking forward to this because, I mean, for several reasons, I uh, I like your company very much. And also, you guys are like one of the only, if not the only, UFO. You cover multiple different topics, but you're definitely UFO-centric, and I mean that in a good way. And uh, um, uh, I kind of figured that, uh, you know, for the third time around, I just come back. We've we've touched on it a little bit here and there. I've talked about some of my own sightings on the show in the past, but there's a lot more to be said about the, um, you know, because there's the big debate, and I think it is very constructive and useful to have this debate and to consider it from both sides. The debate on essentially the the, the ultimate physicality of the UFO or the UAP. And and also before we get into it, just as an as an aside, this isn't meant to be snarky at all. But what is the what is it with the UAP? I get what it stands for, but what is it? Yeah. Just the the no. I just reboot? started doing that. I, I mean, look, I don't really care either way. UFO, UAP. I don't. You know, I was just using UFO for a while, but um, I think it's not just away UI. from that. Yeah, it, it's not. I mean, I just wrote a blog three days ago. I don't know if you read it. I posted it on our website. Uh, people should go check that out if you're into UFOs. It's, it's called uh, Epistemology in UFOs, about how do we know what we know when it comes to this topic. Uh, but yeah, I just used UFO in that. So it's it's just something I, I use it interchangeably. For a while, I think I just used UFO. I don't know why I'm using UAP now. I've seen it a lot more places. So um, I don't have like a thing either way. But yeah, I mean, that's an interesting observation though. I mean, because there is some people that use it, some people that don't. There's some people that get, that get mad if you don't use it. There's other people that don't care, but, yeah, I mean. All right. I could say it was probably credibility. They're trying to get away from the <clears throat> UFO and all the stigmatisms attached. Well, I think that if you talk about these things in an intelligent and informed way, 
I don't think it matters what you call it, you know? Right. Right. That's my opinion on it, at least. If you're if you're talking about it in an intelligent way, and you're you're talking about things that we do know or can know, and you're not getting crazy with the speculations and this and that, I think that uh, yeah, I think that you can you know talk about this and not have it be uh, stigmatized in either way. I guess I don't know. That's just my opinion on it. What do you think? I I, I mean I um. I don't know. I've always been curious to see the the term uh, UAP uh, specifically crop up more and more. And uh, just as uh, to expand the vernacular, I certainly don't think there's anything wrong with that. But it seems like some people, um, and definitely not you guys, of course, but some people, like you said, um, almost get mad. Like UFO is the is the sci-fi BS version. It's like, <laughs> you know, I I don't know. It just yeah. it seems seems tiresome to me but no disrespect i mean i think it's it's cool it's fine using either one i just think getting worked up about it is uh getting worked up about categories too much in general initially i think when people first started using uap instead i did see people like oh you know they'd fight and debate about it but i think that (laughs) it's kind of gone away now it's either you use it or you don't i've seen articles where they use both of them in the same article too so it's Mm -hmm. not you know what i'm saying it's just like one of those things now, the the thing, and this is um, this is certainly something that would come up in the conversation inevitably, and has in our last two conversations. But uh, I do think it's important to have the uh, the continuous like collective conversation amongst ourselves in in ufology. You know, the idea of the the extraterrestrial. Um, I do. I don't necessarily like to use that term because I don't necessarily think that they do come from other planets. Um, but I also, and then there's the other term ultra terrestrial. And I think that that stabs closer in the right direction, but that also, that just, it doesn't really lend much to the credibility of our discussion either. I think that just sounds straight out of a comic book. Well, I mean, as I love just for the books. sake of, of conversation though, you would agree that there's most likely at least life, elsewhere but the, you're talking about things that are visiting might yeah, not intelligent. be intelligent for highly planets. intelligent yeah and this is an important disclaimer in general um and and yes you're correct and um the disclaimer i want to make is just just a general one that you know i wouldn't be talking about these things if i didn't feel like i had some sort of informed opinion and due diligence put into that uh the research but this is such a complicated topic uh, that, you know, no single person is going to have all the answers. And that's why I think it's important to have these conversations because uh, it, uh, as we'll get into, the, the nature of it, um, the, the nature of the experience of the sighting and the processing of the sighting of the UFO or the alien is, um, um, it's very... Um, surreal and causes us to kind of uh question the ontology of things um and i it, the way i see it it's pretty inseparable from mysticism um so but um what do you think about a lot of these people's accounts that they claim that they're in a flow state a flow so state mind, yeah so like they're almost in a meditative state of mind Hmm. Um, are you talking about during like a sighting or what are you talking about? Well, I know a lot of those pilots and stuff said that 
when they're flying, they get into such a groove that their I think mind that has is almost to be, elevated. Yeah, I think that has more yeah. has to do with being a pilot, though, right? I mean, I don't know if those, those they could be correlated. I guess that's an interesting look at it. But I think when they say that they're in a flow state, I think you're in a flow state or fo- that focused when you're just doing those maneuvers and flying, I would think. It's, it's pretty intense. But I'm also referring to, like, the Bob Bazaar. I don't know what documentary, but when he takes the people out, to, he knows where they're going to have well, a sighting. he's not a or... pilot, though. No, I know, but he was. They, they were constantly referring to having a higher state of being in a different meditative state of mind, and he, he, he would be able to elevate himself where he could figure out where sightings were going to happen. Um. Well, it's uh, it can definitely get um, speculative quickly, but I think that there's some merit to that idea of, I don't know, however, there's several different ways you could slice that pie um, conversation-wise, but something to do with clearing the some sort of meditative trance state that um, can it, be like throwing out a fishing line in some sense. And... Um, you know, I'll I'll expand upon that with a little bit of a story because I won't go into my sightings because uh, you know I've I've talked about that on the show a little bit. Um, yeah, listen uh, to our previous episodes if you're interested. Yeah, and I will bring them up, but I won't go into the expanded depth or anything. Um, but I I did want to bring up the context a little more because I think it lends a lot to the conversation and it's a good opening point because it definitely explains my viewpoint and I think it touches um, or at least starts to touch at the heart of um, a lot of different aspects of this conversation that we'll probably get into and you know for me I I the best way to start is you know, I had to wrestle this and this is stuff that goes into dive manual or that is encapsulated within dive manual a little bit. Um, I had to wrestle with the shadow. I, everyone is in a constant wrestle with their shadow. And some people reach kind of an apex point at different uh, points in their life because of uh, circumstances and um, fight or flight things. And um, so I just kind of I felt shouldered with a lot of things I had to sift through, um, about my personal life. And that's how, and the, the way my psyche was gathered and collected. And that's how I got into metaphysics and these things. And amidst all that, so I would say that there's some degree of individuation as Jung would call it, that's occurred in just the sense that I have been able, there's it's not any sort of enlightenment thing. Um, it's not even like a huge notch and there's no, um, end of the process, but just some sort of uh, more direct communication with the with the uh, more unknown aspects of your own psyche. Because uh, we'll never know those things, but we can at least uh, bridge a gap in some ways. But that's it's a bit of a different conversation. But the the UFOs play in because amidst all that is when I started seeing these UFOs and I, I first saw them. The, the first sighting I ever had was with a friend and uh, we were we were really high on psilocybin. Um, and it's, it's, it's interesting to note for me uh, that the first time I saw him was heavily under the influence of something. And um, after that, uh, the rest were sober, um, you know, taking a, a puff or two of weed sometimes. But... Uh, that's uh, that's certainly not putting me out of my element at all. And um, 
I don't know what that speaks to in the long run, but I, I can't avoid the fact that during this deeply, what I would call mystical for lack of uh, more of an in-depth term, this kind of mystical boiling point in my life that uh, I start to see UFOs often in the sky for a period of time. And the only reason I stopped seeing them was because I ended up leaving Alaska and, and you know, I'm here in the Bay Area in California now. And that wasn't a, a deep contributing factor to me leaving. I had other important reasons to leave, but it, as a kind of extra emphasis to all those reasons, you know, I was starting to think like, well, at least I won't see these UFOs anymore. Right? It, it, it got to the point where I'd say I have uh, four sightings that really undeniable. I saw some incredible things far enough away, you know, no aliens or anything like that, but things doing weird stuff in the sky. Mm-hmm. And, um, well, it, it caused me to, it, it, for me, there's no there's there's no way to get around the uh, what I guess you could call the synchronicity of it all. And the and the other point on top of that that I would like to make is, uh, um, for me, coming at that time where you're doing a lot of you know what some people would call like shadow work, just kind of sifting through some of those darker aspects of the psyche and coming to terms with them. Um, you know the, the the UFO in and of itself, the the mystique and the mystery of it. Um, very much harkens to the shadow, I believe. And so does uh, 14 phenomena in general, as we've talked about a little bit. And uh, more to the point, it really causes us, uh, it creates this really unique and specific um, ontological awakening in a person, I guess you could say, meaning that immediately, you know, just from the sighting itself, there is, and for me, I'll speak from my personal experience. Uh, after seeing like these four or so sightings that were very concrete, I saw, I don't know, another four or five sightings that were r- really strange, but they were like far enough away where I, I, I won't know for sure. And it got to the point where I saw enough that I didn't want to see anymore. And I, and there were the four that I knew I couldn't discount. And then I was starting to see the more that I couldn't quite know for sure. And I just, it, it starts to become a whole uh head game and that's and that that's a point i want to make is as part of the very nature of these experiences is they cause us to question you know it doesn't matter um how how vivid the experience is or how visceral it could be um the they're so outlandish and surreal by their very nature that there will be no way for the rational human being to not have some sort of doubt in their head and uh and that is not only natural i think it's uh yeah again it really speaks to the nature of the experience itself and i think that um in the way you know there's almost a very hermetic tradition to ufos uh, i know jacques fillet speaks about this that there has so he he could speak to it more than i could um I haven't poured through the data on this particular claim, but seems to be a lot of uh, hermeticists in particular and alchemists that have ha- had particular fascination with the UFO throughout history. And I think it's important to uh, to also, of course, take into consideration the whole chariot of the gods, ancient aliens motif. I think that there's value to that and that there's some merit, but the physicality of the UFO um, 
throws us off a lot. And, um, you know, we won't bite off more that we can chew here. We could talk about the physicality a little more in a moment. But well, I mean, yeah, I know we I mean, unpacked I, a little bit there. I, I um, well, first of all, I don't really subscribe to any extraterrestrial beings building anything on the planet. Um, I just know too much about right, me the megalithic structures and uh, how we might not know exactly how they were built, but we have a good idea. There's quarries, there's tool marks, there's, there's things there, you know? So, um, but to your point, I mean, if you want to talk about like panspermia, directed panspermia, stuff like that, I mean, that's, I think that's far more valid and, and um, valuable to talk about than some of the, other stuff. I know that you didn't mean it in that kind of context either, but I was just throwing that out there because yeah, no, it's important to bring it up. Absolutely. Uh, um, but to your some of your points of what you were just talking about, I actually, I th- I've been thinking a lot about. Like I said, I just wrote this blog about like how do we know what we know. I start with like Cartesian doubt and then end with my own experiences and what we do know. Uh, but the way I've been and that. <laughs> That was me peaking. I decided to write that on psilocybin. I wrote this blog. <laughs> like I didn't. I didn't. Wasn't thinking about it before. Wasn't thinking about just it. Kind of came out. It of just them. literally came to me, and I'm just like, and I, and I'm just like writing away. And I'm not even really a writer. I've written three blogs now for our website. But um, the way I've been thinking about it is, I think they're like psychomimetic. I think that they're like a reflection of you and what you're going through, or you and what you're investigating or researching. So if you're into some pretty dark stuff, I think that that's obviously going to come out of it, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Um, Not to say that there's not an external thing happening or may have some sort of other effect, but I just, I look at it almost like psychedelics themselves. Like psychedelics in themselves are just a compound. They're just compounds, you know? And then when you interact with them, they take on a whole different meaning. And I think the same way about like, people that experience UFOs or have uh, abduction stuff or have sleep paralysis with the, you know, the entities and stuff like that. That's kind of how I've been thinking about it. And I could be wrong, but um, like I said, I think that that fits with, you know, what I've seen at least or what I've researched. I don't know if you, you think similarly about that or if you think that there's a, a something external going on that's completely different no i would uh very much agree with that um and the real head scratcher at this point is i don't know we could uh we don't have to go particularly far down this rabbit hole because this will bring us into conspiracy theories and things uh quicker but uh um just the idea of um does the government really ha- have tech, hidden tech or not? And uh, uh, is that some sort of red herring or uh, cover up in unto itself of some kind? Um, well, they they have to have things that we don't know about. They've always had things that sure. we don't know about. But are those but things that we don't know related. about? Yeah. Are the things we don't know about some of the things we're seeing? Are they um, a result of actual things and then like reverse engineering or maybe taking ideas from something they've seen or have a piece of, or, you know what I'm saying? Um, I don't know. I, I, I think about that all the time. And I think that like you we said, know they it, have some stuff, but how far in advanced it, it, is the stuff? That, it it can know, get dicey. You're relying on words of, you know, you're playing telephone at that point, you know, like this person mm-hmm. told me this, who told that person this, and then it gets passed on down the line and who knows 
what the actual, um, you know, starting point was or what the actual information was to begin with. Right. I don't know. I think about it all the time, man. I think that, uh, I think that obviously $5 million some, question. Yeah. Some things we see are definitely ours or other tech. I think some uh-huh. of it. Uh-huh. Now, what percentage, I don't know. What, what do they say? Like out of like 5% of, you know, like 95% of sightings are stuff that can be explained away, but 5% are truly anomalous, you know? So then you got to take into account what percentage of that small percentage is stuff that's ours. And then what percentage something completely different. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, to, I don't know for, for context in my own experiences, um, I believe I've, I've, I've touched on it a little bit before where I still don't know the full conclusion because it seemed so real, real enough to where I was inclined to believe that it could, it was every bit as physical as I was, uh, and therefore probably government related. Uh, but also the things they did made absolutely no sense. I mean, even the concrete time, like where I, for sure, um, there's one time it flew over, you know, and, and it was all, it's all between two and or, uh, midnight and 3 AM. No one else around. Well, uh, for this particular one where it flies overhead on the rooftops and then seeing 90 degree angles in the sky. Was that the black triangle? It, yeah. Mm-hmm. They were all triangles and, um, they always had, um, red, white and blue lights, kind of like an airplane. But this one, like for example, was so low it was just above the rooftops um and it was silent it was the strangest thing like seeing the lights almost made me think it was an airplane and i had to rub my eyes like no that thing is right there is right there um so anyway so i still don't know to this day um because the fact of the matter is if any of these things are you know like psychomimetic like you said which is a great term for it um then they would all come across very physical. Like that's part of the trick. So well, and everything no... gets filtered through our consciousness. Every, like that was a point I made in this blog too, is like people that say everything, these are physical nuts and bolts, things from other places. Well, you are still observing it, measuring it, interacting with it through your consciousness. So technically mm-hmm. it's all consciousness. That's all there is. Unless you don't believe in consciousness. And we talked about this on our metaphysics episode, um, eliminative materialism, which it means that it's just literally, this is just a byproduct. There's no even real mind. It's just awareness or reactionary type stuff. Um, but I don't think anybody that believes in UFOs or UAPs would even believe that that's like a very hard materialist stance on things. So, mm-hmm. um, I think, um, that, that, that kind of, uh, makes me think of um the way Jacques Vallée would put it where that these UFO sightings when you look at it from the perspective of how it affects the the experiencer uh it seems to be completing some sort of uh psychological circuit in some way how um um the the preconditions uh and this is where we kind of get into chaos theory a, a little bit um Ooh. so yeah, we'll uh, we'll tiptoe our way into there. But the idea that um, the the beginning that the precondition, like what happens before the you know the build up, the way you're priming yourself um, before 
you know, some sort of unexplainable sighting. It's similar to the way that the prior day is fodder to dreams, uh, you know, I think that there's a lot to be said for the context in which these things arise, um, not only personally, but historically and otherwise, you know, because there's the, uh, um, they seem to be, you know, very much in the vein of, uh, you know, because this is a very John Keel perspective anyway. He was he might have been the first one to really start touching on this with the whole Mothman prophecy thing. I think that there is some sort of um, uh, Jungian projection, self-prophetic angle to these things. Um, but I think that it, it's definitely possible that there's there is the potential for. Um, for things that we don't yet understand, whether it be physical or not, I think that there is every bit of a possibility for um, definitely autonomous, if not potentially sentient things to piggyback off of that projection process that's going on. Because these things are clearly autonomous. They're not just sock puppets of the psyche. There's a lot more going on than that, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I... Um... Yeah, I just wrote about that too. I th- my personal theory is that whatever this thing is, whether it's let's just say it's whether you believe it's real or not, that I think that it can still be used to think about in an interesting way, which is that if it isn't real, you could kind of look at it like maybe there's some real physical thing happening or non-physical thing happening that we're responding to. But maybe it's like the Greek gods, how we believed in the Greek gods. They controlled the ocean, Poseidon controlled the oceans, Zeus controlled the lightning and the sky. And we thought about things like that until, you know, the pre-Socratics came around and Thales, no, 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 no. This is how it works. This is, you know, this is how mm-hmm. things go kind of a thing. Um, and then, you know, one thing replaces another. I guess my point is, is that it could be some evolutionary thing, like the way that the mind evolves that, um, there's this mystery thing and it's dangling this carrot and it kind of gets you to the next level. So if there is something there, then this thing wants us to get to the next level. If there is nothing there, maybe this is something that evolution selects for that pushes us further. And it's just some mechanism of the mind that we just don't understand. Well, this is the thing. Um, I'm glad you, you said that very eloquently. And the as far as I'm concerned... That is 100% what is happening, that evolutionary mechanism. But there might be, you know, uh, something else that comes in because nature is, uh, it doesn't waste any space. And, and there might be things that, uh, other processes that are engaged with uh, beyond that. But um, at the very least, there's definitely, you know, in the same way, the, the anecdote I like to bring up with uh, V.S. Ramachandran and the phantom limb um, box therapy, you know, there's this, uh, there's, there's this evolutionary propensity for the human being to use its projection process to adapt, to be pro-adaptive or maladaptive. I mean, that's kind of like the, uh, um, the inklings of good and evil. Uh, but that's also a bit of a different subject. I want to tackle the physicality of the UFO a little bit more as well. Uh, because yeah, you know, as far as I'm concerned, at this point, we can't, you know, especially when you look into the, you know, you take the trifecta of Valet, Keel, and Jung, it's it's really hard to completely dismiss 
um, the 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 metaphysics of the UFO in some way. So it kind of leads us to the question, okay, and I know we brought this up, um, but I want to I want to really dissect this a little more. We just vaguely brought it up in our last conversation, where it's like, could it be both? Is it is it some sort of this psycho uh, you know mimetic evolutionary process and maybe like ETs um, because it's so there's certainly government stuff flying around and but is there some sort of flesh and blood unknown element involved and I mean as far as I'm concerned you know and and this is, this is again why I bring up the disclaimer because we all have to be a part of this conversation because no one knows I'm no open to being wrong. I mean, give point. me some evidence. Give me some empirical data. Give me something. You well, know, an interest, interesting. You know, observation or a collection Absolutely. of you know observations. But yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the um, a big point is so people could say that they're they're there's potentially separate. There's two things happening. But when you look into a lot of these classical cases, um, the two that tend to float around in my mind, um, cause they're classical, they're interesting and they're both involved. Some of the points I'll bring up here is, uh, the Hills and, uh, Travis Walton. And, uh, you know, and these are, uh, more so considered, uh, very nuts and bolts UFO cases. But, uh, when you look into both of them with just kind of like a fresh set of eyes, they come across way more uh, metaphysical than they do nuts and bolts. So there's both there's missing time involved, and then they both get to, uh, they both uh, the stories are expanded upon with uh, with hypnotic regression. And um, hypnotic regression is a really interesting point to this whole discussion because it's valuable and it's useful. I'm not saying it's a throwaway, but we have to really consider um, like the the real fundamentals of hypnosis here and and it, it needs to be updated in many cases um within the mindset of ufology um and I, i'm certainly not the only one to discuss this so it's getting there but um it's important to remember that i mean these days hypnosis <clears throat> excuse me is more about what they what they can say it's most effective for um is this idea of taking memories that you might have um, negative relationships with, you know, traumatic memories as an example, and then we can we can regress ourselves back, um, or especially with a hypnotherapist, and you can go and make new connections, new associations with those memories in very concrete ways, similar to psychedelics. It's a very psychedelic process in that way. I've been to hypnotherapy. Yeah, it's very useful, but where where the slippery slope occurs is uh, uncovering like repressed memories because that is that is possible, but it can become if there's no kind of like the if if there's no empirical tethers um, to like in the case of uh, like so many ufology cases that use hypnotic regression, there's not really any physical tethers to begin with. It's a it's missing time, and then you expand on it with uh, with hypnotic regression. And most of the time, um, these hypnotherapists are vaguely familiar with the uh, the the UFO and the alien concept, 
and are open to it. And so this is where I think that we don't need to throw out the data, but it's important to realize where the data, where our tools and methodology are taking us, what directions they're going in. And this, once you start going into hypnotherapy, it's not throwaway, but it is no longer physical. I don't care what you're doing, even if you have some sort of physical ties to a situation, you know, um, whatever be the case, um, you have scars or whatever. Uh, what what we're entering into is something very similar to an artificial dream at that point. And there's there's value to that. But to say that to go into a hypnotic session and then pull that out as, uh, as uh, those memories as well evidence to whatever be the case, abduction or anything else um, in the nuts and bolts variety, we can say that something went on there. I'm, you know, and I'm not trying to dis, uh, to discredit um, the experiencer on a case by case basis. Uh, you know, I do believe that these things happen in some ways or another. I th- but I think that, again, the physicality of it um, is a lot more debatable and I think uh, doesn't honestly not in the evil Satan sense, but this starts to get to more of a, of a, um, a consideration of demonology as again, people like John Keel and Valet would would start to lean into. So and I just want to point out too, when I was talking about like the consciousness and we we're talking about like nuts and bolts and consciousness, um, I want to be clear that every, like I mentioned, everything's filtered through our consciousness. Um, so you can think about things in different way. Um, mm-hmm. You can think about it like, you know, again, a materialistic kind of a way that our consciousness is a byproduct of, um, you know, just you know, biology and, you know, our mind is just something that came forth through biology, which I don't believe that, but you could think that would be one heck of a, you could think about it that way. If you believe that consciousness is primary, then I don't know how you can't think of this other thing in that way. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know if, if you think, if you believe in panpsychism and everything has some level of consciousness, or you believe that consciousness is primary in the universe, or you believe the universe is consciousness, or whatever the case may be, I don't know how you can't, how you don't think about it other than that, if that makes sense. Like, I don't know how you can separate those things if if you believe those things. Like, if you believe consciousness survives death, then I don't know how you could believe that just nuts and bolts things are coming here that have no connection to anything that's going on whatsoever. Right, right. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um yeah, so it's kind of an Occam's razor thing at this point. Um, if you don't have clear-cut examples, I mean, it, it, as soon as you start looking into cases, whether they be classic or recent, you find the the mesh of like the the whether it's debatable or not, the seeming physicality of these things mixed with the blatant paranormal mystical aspects and there's no copy or there's no clear cut between the two it's always blurred together in in any given case and um you know it's uh it is speaking to the surrealism and the uh the calling into question our our beliefs uh as a natural effect of these things um i think it's also um 
you know, it's been said before, but uh, it's important to reiterate, I think. Um, I'm not necessarily so convinced that if these things are out there, you know, if, um, you know, because first off, let me preface it like this. I don't know what's going on with uh, with uh, actual encounters, but because it's such a fast, strange, eerie, complicated topic. But I think something's going on. You know, again, it's not just sock puppets of the psyche. And I do think that people see things. And I mean, even the relationship of the alien and the UFO, if you really want to start splitting hairs, isn't even entirely a given. Right. Um, they, yeah, they could be. To be talking about separate. von Neumann probes. We could be talking about an advanced civilization that created self-replicating probes that are, you know, exploring the universe. Or maybe they even got well, wiped that would out. Make a lot more sense. Maybe even they got wiped out, but the technology is still exponentially, you know, uh, replicating. Well, yeah. So um, that's an option. I, I do want to point this out though, too. I'm fine if you if you believe in hard your uh, hard materialism. And, or you're a materialist, you're a reductionist, whatever you want to call yourself, and you think that this is all there is, there's just matter and that's it, and you think that there's nuts and bolts things out there, that's fine. I'm talking specifically yeah. to the people that want to talk about like life after death too and there being all these like metaphysical connections and things like that. I don't think that you can then have it both ways, meaning that if that stuff does exist, then consciousness plays a massive role in that. And consciousness... Um, is pretty much at the forefront of that. So you can't talk about that then and not talk about at least how important consciousness is. I guess that was my point. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and speaking of consciousness and, um, you know, I think, um, we can roll into, uh, chaos theory and chaos magic a little more because it, it, it definitely helps explain the mechanics as far as I'm concerned of, um, how UFOs, and the alien are interrelated to this, this whole metaphysical conversation because quite frankly you can't really the only like the gap to bridge or what bridges the gap rather between traditional metaphysics and 4t and phenomena like cryptids ufos the whole nine um is chaos theory essentially now chaos magic as a term has uh as i said it's got um a little bit of fluff and baggage associated with it. Um, there's a little bit of moral relativism, I feel like, involved with the history of it. And it's also got a uh, a little bit of a cheesy rap because, you know, it, it, it flourished in the 90s. And so it's got this, like, radical 90s vibe. Like, yeah, in tubular. The, uh, in the history of Yeah, totally tubular. Absolutely. Well, just to point out, too, <laughs> chaos theory is a branch of mathematics that focuses, focuses on the study of chaos and dynamical mm -hmm. systems um in a randomness you can take into account like the butterfly effect and all that kind of stuff too i just want to throw that out there so people know what we're talking about that's great absolutely um a concise definition too and um it's also uh it it also really uh thermodynamics which is chaos theory um applied chaos theory it uh really gave birth to the inspiration and the initial um, research that birthed uh, psychology and psychotherapy and, and psychiatry as we know it today. So, um, you know, the, uh, Freud started using the term psychodynamics, um, and um, uh, that was very much a nod to thermodynamics, so physics of the psyche. And that's what they were trying to do with the fleshing out of archetypes and 
Um, and then, you know, Dawkins came down the road with memes, which um, complicates the situation a little bit, but actually expands on it a lot. It just... Whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh, we do not talk about Dawkins on this podcast unless it's in a negative light. Okay. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, like memes and archetypes, they, you know, it's kind of uh, the difference between the two is a bit of a conversation. But archetypes are more innate and memes are more um, the exchange of the symbols that happens. It's kind of like a really quick way to put it. And. Um, so I don't, excuse me. Um, so the idea that the archetypes, um, archetypes in and of themselves are basically, um, evolutionary pressures that exist with, or that have manifested, uh, within the psyche or express themselves in one way or another. That's why you get basic archetypes like the mother and the father and, uh, you know, the elements and these things. But, um, so while the archetypes, the symbols are in and of themselves are, um, are, you know, metaphorical, um, what they represent within the psyche are definite, uh, legitimate principles. Um, and that's important to note. And, but the way we engage with those, uh, that network of evolutionary pressures and how we project those and manifest those and exchange them, um, it varies obviously from person to person. And, um, that's why, you know, I don't consider myself part of any specific doctrine. And I mean, for that matter, I also don't consider myself strictly speaking, a ufologist. Uh, you could definitely consider me like ufology adjacent. I have a deep fascination with ufology, uh, because of my sightings, but, um, I have I'd say um, you're a researcher. I don't even know. Like you it's like you can't study ufology and, you know, college or <laughs> some people consider it a point of pride for sure. No, people... I mean, look, I'm not trying to talk, you know, shit yeah. or anything like that. That's not what I'm trying. I'm just saying like, it's just kind of like out of war. Like we were talking earlier, UFO, UAP, you know, you like outdated things. I think you, I'm a apologist. Yeah. I think ufologist. Yeah. Yeah. You... <laughs> there you go. Coin that, make that a shirt. There you go. Yeah, that... <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, not a bad idea, but the way I think about archetypes and I could be wrong. I look at them as more of like, there's a, there's a limited amount of options. So once you fill, you know, start filling in these different options, it takes on like a pattern and there's only a specific amount of patterns out there. Right. That's the way I look at it at least. So it's like, if it's this archetype, it's because it fell into those patterns through some sort of causal line. But right, I'm open. That causal line would be evolutionary pressures in many. Right, many. right, right. But what I'm saying is, and I'm open to being wrong, but that's just how I look at it. No, I wouldn't even disagree with that. I think that's a that's a great way to put it. But I think that, um, um, you know, looking at the use of archetypes is, uh, and how they strengthen and how there is an inertia to those archetypes that propels them throughout history and tradition. Um, you know, I think it speaks to um, essentially the uh, the it kind of that uh, valet sense, the circuit that they complete, that heuristic process, that uh, trial and error, self education process that we use. Um, that that mysticism has helped people um, 
you know, uh, that, that mysticism in that way has helped develop and expand the individual psyche and, uh, you know, um, culture as we know it. And, um, in terms of, uh, chaos magic and these things again, yeah, like people interface with these things differently. And I think it's silly to, um, you know, I think more and more people are realizing unless they just grew up in strict dogma that it's, I don't know. Um, it's not very, it's just unscientific. It's not very rational to consider yourself the only right person, um, like in terms of uh, religious dogma and these things. And um, I think that it, uh, more and more people are understanding the idea that um, different myst- mystical traditions and religious doctrines and these things, they, they facilitate um, specific relationships and attitudes towards these archetypes that facilitate um, different experiences that in many cases will suit those evolutionary pressures, you know, especially when we think about hundreds of, of years ago, um, uh, before big advents of uh, technology and industrialism, um, a person's evolutionary and therefore spiritual pressures would be different in the Arctic Circle than they would be in the Caribbean. It's just uh, for a lot of different reasons, um, for a lot of different empirical reasons. And um, so chaos magic ultimately is just the idea, the uh, the assertion of this physics of the psyche and that this physics of the psyche is um, highlighting and touching upon the underlying mechanisms of these archetypes and the mimetic exchanges and stuff. And there's no specific tether to, you know, a collection or a pantheon of gods or something. It's it's this more Jungian perspective that there's um, a multiplicity of different names and um, archetypes for these each things. And um, um, this gets into the whole conversation where, and where I, 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 w- I want to bring it back uh, to UFOs in context of chaos magic, but I also just want to make the quick disclaimer that this isn't meant to be a whole hodgepodge. All religions are the same. Again, they facilitate different um, relationships and attitudes, but they're playing on the same kinds of archetypes. Um, And so in the same way, again, I talked about like preconditions with uh, 14 experiences and these things. Um, So in the chaos magical sense, um, if we can admit that there are many different ways of achi- of achieving the religious or mystical, you know, transpersonal mindset. Um, then, wouldn't there be ways of achieving similar mindsets that aren't cataloged by mystical or religious doctrines? And yeah, obviously there would be. And I think I'm not the only one to think this, but uh, it, it I think it's it's. Um, um, it really needs to be brought to the conversation um, as a whole is um, are we not in a way, you know, when we're if you're a UFO um, researcher, especially like a, a hands on investigator. Uh, yeah. Are we really <laughs> when we're when we're gathering all our data and all our equipment and we're going out, uh, are we not engaged in, in, and we're going and looking um and we're talking to witnesses and whatever else looking at the sky, are we not ultimately engaging in a collection of priming techniques that essentially accumulate to ritual and ceremony, which kind of gets back to one of the original questions that Maurice uh, asked is, is there some sort of flow state that you get into and 
there's no easy way to answer that but now with some with some you know some uh some depth added to the conversation i think that yes i think absolutely and i think that most people if not all of us are engaging in some sort of um the trance you know flow state in order to uh, engage with these sort of, uh, or have these experiences to begin with. And that in and of itself, um, you know, if we're just talking like Western, you know, uh, definitions and schools of thought and things like, again, chaos magic is the linchpin there because otherwise you don't have a bridge in that gap between this, uh, outside potential undiscovered idea of, um, of ceremony and ritual essentially that exists outside of regular doctrine and dogma. So, yeah, no, that's interesting. Um, one thing I, I, and I don't know if you agree with this, but we're talking about archetypes and patterns and, you know, chaos. Um, I like the idea of chaos theory, you know, um, even though it's some could be somewhat deterministic, but in one regard, I, I like it because now I, I know what the boundary is. Like, how can I escape? No pun intended. How can wow. I escape my mind? No, but like, seriously, though, like, how can I escape um, these archetypes? Or how can I escape these patterns? How can I get out of this? Because I think that that is what's truly, you know, revolutionary when it comes to visionary ideas and thinking and things like that. So... I would correlate that like to be, you know, like a, a psychedelic experience. Like when I'm, when I do psychedelics, yeah, when I was younger, I would go to fish shows, dead shows, jam band stuff and have an amazing time. And my, you know, more recent years and older years here, I'd much rather just sit in darkness and meditate and just mm -hmm. come up with the weirdest ideas and think out way outside the box so that there's not even a box anymore. You know, like, and I think that you can achieve that, but you have to cultivate it. I don't think it's as simple as just taking this or doing that, or it's something that like accumulates over time and it becomes like a way of thinking. So like, like that's what I've been really trying to do lately is like, how can I have truly original thoughts or tr have truly original, you know, we, cause we want to believe we have free will and that's a whole different conversation. I believe internally or subjectively we have free will. And I think externally, or objectively, it's probably deterministic. Yeah, but can sense. you have original thoughts, or are they all just out there in the ether, and it's you that has to tune in to these particular things? Because, you know, we used to write a comedy and stuff, and I would, uh, I'd write a joke, and then a couple of weeks later, I'd see my joke on TV, and it's like, oh, they stole my idea, but it's like, did they steal it, or yeah. is it just in out reality, there? In reality, now you stole right. it, and they're coming after <laughs> you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, um, you know, I think you know, to touch on uh, uh, how chaos theory plays into free will versus determinism a little bit, um, I think that um, free will, it, it's a lot of an ebb and flow. I think that we have glimpses of true free will um, in the same way that we have glimpses of truly unexplainable things that many of us experience. And um uh, I think that determinism is inevitable, but I think that, you know, in a way, I guess to just get 
philosophical here. Mm, um, it, it. It's like, yeah, like learning, you know, learning the rules of the game, you can kind of like learn to bend them a little bit too. And once you learn what you're working with, I think that, you know, in that sort of Immanuel Kant sort of sense that I think that there is inevitably that a priori, the thing that the, uh, that the, that determinism brushes up against and that there is inevitably some sort of, um, coalescence you know there's a crossroads because certainly there's a subjective and objective and i think that that's what it gets to in the long run is that the uh subjective is um it's not we have to stop looking at subjective and objective in terms of real or not real they're both real but it, they're they're different and they uh they need to be treated as such uh whereas uh you know the subjective is very much this this like uh uh, mirror box of yeah, uh, this internal this theater. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I look, I, I think that, um, like I said, I try and you know put myself outside of that if I can. It's very hard to do, and I think in that sense, that's why we might not ever know what consciousness is because we really can't get outside of our own consciousness to right. observe it. You know what I'm saying? Some people have near death experiences they, that can kind of happen. Some people, you know, I've had weird psychedelic experiences. I had a psychedelic experience where I was shown, I don't even want to say by like an ent- It wasn't like an entity. It was just, I was just shown that that realm is the realm of imagination. And I thought the weirdest thing was is that when you're in your dreams when you're lucid dreaming or when you're just regular dreaming or you're on psychedelics or whatever, it is the most different outside of normal consciousness that you can get in the sense that you are experiencing things like, cause you're, you're, whether your mind's creating those illusions during dreaming or, or not, I think it plays uh, a massive role in our imagination and, and people that are truly creative, I think are able to tap into that a little bit more than the normal person. So I don't know how you feel about that, but I think that, there is something to that, you know, the the realm of imagination, and like that's what we want to get to. If you're trying to, to to get outside of this normal patterns and structures and archetypes and all that kind of stuff. Well, absolutely. That reminds me of um, there's a there's a few different ones that they use, but uh, one of the openings, uh, the quotes to the Twilight Zone, you know, this this fifth dimension, um, <laughs> that it exists in the imagination, and it's this sort of um, um, transphysical. Um, yeah, I think, um, I think that, you know, that there's, that's, uh, I think that, that, that's without question. Uh, absolutely. I thought um, you were going to pull a Billy Mass and just go, that's correct. Just move on. Ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> uh, um, but, uh. No, I, I like I said. I think that you think about these things, which is really because you're a lot younger than us. I think, which is really crazy. I don't really know that many young people that are thinking like your age, um, that are thinking and talking about these things, which is awesome. Because I think that if you can get a head start, you know, you can do incredible things if you you use all these tools of philosophy and metaphysics and understanding, you know, all the different ways the mind works and um, all the potential. Um, so yeah, I don't know. So in terms of like chaos magic though, is there, is there, you, you, it's not like a practicing ritual, how like a normal person would practice what they would call magic, you know, M I M A G I C K or whatever, you know? 
Um, <clears throat> that yeah, that does become involved um, inevitably, but um, it doesn't need to be. And um, kind of like a, an easy rule of thumb for what encapsulates chaos magic is there's no you know there's no set um there's no standards and it really is just do what works for you like what it whatever it takes for you uh to get you to the point where that priming point where you're engaging um with those uh those archetypes in the ways that you're looking for um because i think that there's a genuine reason uh i um you know i if it I think it's important to follow our inclinations. You know, I think like if someone has, I think all of us, you know, if we're interested in metaphysics, we all kind of have uh, leans towards certain schools of thought more than others. And I think that's totally healthy. Um, um, I just think it's also important to not get uh, caught up in uh, those specific schools of thought. And Is that a UFO, um, UAP thing, the whole MA... Uh, G I C K or M A G I C, you know, like a one versus the other. Is that like similar to that, or is that mostly, mostly? Um, the only difference being that, uh, sometimes magic without the K would literally be like David Blaine and like stage magic. Right. So that's the only time. That's the only reason I ever. Oh, used we've seen the David K. Copperfield live, both Maurice and I, at one of his birthday <laughs> parties birthday when we were younger. Parties. This guy popped so out. That's pretty of the, cool, honestly. Yeah, he popped he out of the middle of. His own leg. Yeah, he popped out of the middle of uh, what was it, Kobo Arena or yeah. something. He wrote wow. his own legs. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I mean, the guy. You know, the guy did a great job. I was impressed. Pulls off an illusion, baby. Yeah. It was nice. <laughs> um, so. Yeah, so, it, yeah, again, there's no set standards or What would anything. be, I and, guess what I'm asking is, like, what would be a ritual that somebody does for chaos magic? Is it just a way of thinking? Are they actually, like, you know, repeating things? Is there, you know, are they writing things down? Are they drawing sigils? Like, what's what's happening? All of the above, and okay. I'll explain that a little more. Um You know, and uh, for people that want a, a more in-depth, look uh into this question uh this is definitely some of the stuff that uh dive manual gets into um even more so than things like ufos although that's touched on also mm -hmm. um but you know again the idea that there are um states there are ways of achieving these like the mystical state of consciousness that exists outside of the uh determined uh schools of thought that we have like you know, the idea that um, going to a concert, you know, especially if it's a really good one that you connect with, that that could be some sort of ceremony and ritual. Um, while these things can quickly get pretentious, obviously, you know, you, should, uh, you, you have to put some work into it and you have to um, be really engaging uh, with with certain mindsets. Uh, you can't just half-ass it, so to speak. Um, but yeah, you know, um, engagement with art in general can very much be its own ceremony and ritual. And, um, you know, for me, I do sit down. Uh, my rule of thumb is kind of like with psychedelics. I don't have any sort of standard scheduling. It's just, it could be a couple years or it could be a couple times in a month. Um, whatever and uh same thing with ritual and ceremony for me and i am just a little bit of a different conversation but 
briefly, you know, I, I am very reductionist with it in the sense of I'm trying not to overcomplicate it. Um, I work with, you know, the dualism, the yin and the yang, the mother and the father, essentially. Um, and I, I definitely like hermeticism. So that's one of my leanings. So I do engage, you know, I, I work with hypno self hypnosis and these kinds of things. And, but, um, again, like I said, um, the idea that, um, UFO hunting and investigation, how that can potentially, and in my eyes is its own ceremony and ritual, right? That's, that's chaos magic right there. And there's also, um, a, a little bit of genuine levity to the situation and uh, not trying to throw shade either, but this is just a total left field, fascinating thing. I don't know if you guys are familiar. Obviously there's the bronies, the like grown men that do the comic cons that are into my little pony cartoons and things. Um, well, are you guys familiar? I don't know anything about the comic book world, dude. I mean, Maurice might used to collect comic books, but I, I don't know anything about comic. Well, I don't know anything about uh, the, the lore of this either. But are you aware? And if you're not, you should be aware that there is a whole community. Like the way that like I love Spider-Man, there yeah, are I people out there. I think I know where you're going with this. Yeah, they love the – they're really invested in the My Little Pony universe, and it's yes. grown men. I'm not trying to sound – like I'm throwing shade hard here, but it but it is left field. I'm sure even they would admit that. And um, and it it goes a step much further where there's been a whole online community for years now, for years, uh, where they're actually engaged in what they call tulpamancy. You guys know what tulpas are? Um, I, I do not. Okay, so tulpas and uh, egregors. Tulpas more Eastern, egregors more Western. They are. A little bit different but they're like 90% overlap where it's this idea of thought forms becoming um, like when you engage in this mystical mindset enough and you concentrate um, a, that that sort of like psychological inertia and uh, that you can actually um, um, either summon thing like you know that's essentially uh, how people talk about psychologizing like you know communing and like prayer and like summoning things but that's also how these people these bronies online are talking about how they're actually summoning thought forms like like almost like neoplatonic ideals mm -hmm. of um of these my little pony characters and and how they go into their ways of strengthening it and how it's like it's like an imaginary friend on steroids where they these things are like pseudo physicalized in many ways and they go through again the ritual and ceremony to engage with these things and strengthen them and you know I don't um I that's chaos magic right there you know because I don't think that it's straightforward but I'll be damned if I don't think that they're getting something out of it right they're probably getting something and at the very least um there's some very fascinating hypnotic underpinnings i would wager yeah i mean that actually kind of sounds like what jack parsons and what's that little group <laughs> was doing you know to summon ets uh right. uh yeah i mean i i've heard of egregors we haven't touched on it. i haven't really looked into it but i see people talking about it. i kind of have an idea of what it is but uh Stink maybe we can have sure. you back on and talk about it in the future because that, yeah, that is kind of interesting though it's because if you you think of if you don't, if you think consciousness is not um, tied to the body necessarily, or let's say it's primary, or there's some, you like you mentioned, like uh, Plato's theory of forms, or some 
truer realm of you know of things and patterns and things like that that um that maybe there's there could be some truth to that like or like some sort of uh influence that that could have in some way um right like you know finding ways once you find some sort of narrative in your brain to kind of feel around the the like mirror box of your own psyche you know that that'll probably be heuristic and it'll be incomplete and half true but you could probably get somewhere you know like you can get results in many cases that doesn't mean that you know fully what happened to get those results but you can see that maybe you engage with something initially and that somewhere on the other side you're able to get something i'm um, open-minded and i'll listen to it and talk about it but to me it kind of sounds a little bit like the secret in a way not woo woo like that but just the way i look at the secret is there's nothing you're there's no magic happening there what you're doing is you're writing something down and you're tying yourself to that goal or whatever that thing you want to achieve is or whatever the thing is. So you're going to do everything in your power to get that. Now, it might writing it down and repeating things and whatever might remind you or keep it in your mind or keep it fresh and keep your goal focused on that thing. But I don't necessarily think that there's something external happening there, if that makes sense. Yeah, I would agree with you. And um, I think that in the long run, it's important to as a kind of cherry on top. Uh, and one reason I don't always use the term chaos magic is because chaos magic is magic. It's not, um, it's not out of place there in that definition or in that title. But ultimately what it means is that chaos theory shows us that magic is like hypnosis and mathematics. That's what it boils down to. And that we have um and that there are um ways of uh, we don't fully understand all the processes, but um but we can see like it who knows really in the long run how far the trail of breadcrumbs could go. But at the very least it starts with very legitimately, empirically, hypnosis, trance states mathematics probability it's it's quote-unquote results-based magic Mm. that is grounded in uh again probability and statistics and uh determinism in that way because the upside to determinism is that you are kind of a detective on the trail so to speak Uh, like there there are there are things to follow up on so to speak and um also, because it's a fun addition to the conversation um, in terms of like ceremony and ritual in the abstract, it's like almost surrealist sense that chaos magic offers is two of my favorite uh, chaos magicians, honestly, are uh, two um, uh, of some of the most prolific comic book writers, especially in the DC universe, uh, Grant Morrison and uh alan moore alan moore is a dude who wrote v for vendetta and did from hell about jack the ripper um grant morrison um interesting side note for anyone that cares because it's it's a part of the conversation in and of itself um for whatever reason batman specifically has always attracted the really esoteric minded writers and more than anything else you see batman associated with 
really, really heavy metaphysical concepts. Not all the time, but often throughout. My favorite the Batman movie is actually Batman Begins, when you know there's this psychoactive flower that grows up in the mountains, and you've got right. you know he's training and he's just a dude in the mountains. You like that better than Dark Knight? Whoa. Okay, okay, that's. <laughs> that's maybe a better all-around movie but i do like the mystical elements of batman begins like i like those stories like those lead-in stories like i don't think that movies are any good unless they have it, those kinds of movies Substance, unless yeah. they have some sort of like origin where it's like a good origin and not some you know well christopher like, nolan reimagined that whole thing i think he did a good job Absolutely. Christopher Nolan knows what's up with some esotericism. Yeah, too. I mean, he wouldn't take he on comic book stuff. Unless I he still haven't seen, what's it tone. called, uh, the dream one. I got to watch that. I have still Inception? Seen, I haven't seen Inception. I got to see it. It's what? really good, man. It's actually really well done. It's he. You could tell he understands <clears throat> the the mechanics of like. I haven't seen Interstellar either. Oh gotta, man, you yeah. really love that. Stuff. You gotta check it out. Yeah. I haven't seen the new one though, Tenant. Um, but I have seen, seen the one. recent Godzilla versus King Kong, <laughs> and I can tell you. <laughs> Let me do a review. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean uh, those those are classic good? when you're a kid. Well, it, they brought in the mechanical. Uh, Godzilla and you know there was a, a, a little three-way battle at the end but uh spoiler alert I loved that when I was a kid with the Mothra and I actually remember uh Yeah, we used to watch those old ones. Video games. Yeah, the at, old uh, ones. Rampage that House. Yeah, Rampage oh. was a classic video game. Old Mothra. Um okay, so anything we want to address before we stop and do the uh patreon segment here oh one thing i wanted to ask what, what about what do you think about like the butterfly effect that you know doing the littlest thing here has the most you know dramatic effect somewhere across the world or something like that yeah um i mean it's the math shows and um you know it's it shows it how everything is interconnected and you know how this can happen with good and bad things you know in my opinion that's that's why i like i don't you, you got to be thankful for every breath and also it's important to pay it forward because you never know about that butterfly effect um and um you know i think it's um ah, there's something else i was gonna say but i i lost it there but um also, uh, talking about movies, for all its plot holes, the butterfly effect uh, sure is a classic. I do love that movie. Um, I, I saw it a while ago. I haven't seen it. Action Kutcher at his finest. Yeah, yeah, honestly, yeah, it was, yeah, it was a fun movie. Um, but no, I mean that, uh, and you know, for anybody who's unfamiliar, um, the fractals, and uh, as well as thermodynamics, as well as other. Uh, scientific more specific scientific investigations Th these are all grouped under the umbrella of chaos theory so um there's a lot like yeah, yeah that you know obviously fractals goes down a rabbit hole of sacred geometry and more neoplatonism and then uh you could very quickly get into the trees of life and death um that very much um lends Chaos theory and chaos magic and the the, the trees of life and death, um, uh, th they all very much lend to each other uh, because the trees are this um, um, threshold of of um, the subjective and the objective essentially. But um, 
Um, anyway, I mean, I yeah. even saw the Mothman Prophecies movie, which I w- went back and watched it, and this thing was terrible. When we were younger, <laughs> it was like, "Wow, this yeah, is we kind of creepy," uh, you know. We but got, we got nervous. I like, I like, I just think that they obviously focused on like the story, like a plot, you know, like the romance and like yeah. the life. Oh, and, they turned it into a Hollywood film. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, th- I think that you could look at that as almost like butterfly effect with something. There's this like symbol or something that's warning you about something that's happening not that it's affecting it but maybe it does maybe that thing is affecting the thing across the world or that's you know you know do you know what i'm saying well, absolutely and again this is this is what i mean or what people mean when they talk about results-based magic is that if something comes across magical it's just because you can't from your vantage point tie it to the original source um like there's no way mathematically we know that it's certainly possible just statistically speaking for enough like inertia to happen with the right preconditions for a butterfly flap of a wing to cause a typhoon halfway across the world highly unlikely but that certainly is possible and if anyone were were to ever actually try and investigate that there would be no way mm-hmm. it would be ma- it would essentially be magic from the vantage point of the human being even though there is some sort of initial cause to that effect and and that's what chaos magic is it just it, it it's just the acknowledgement that there are those gaps in our vantage point but that doesn't mean that we can't learn the tools of the trade so to speak yeah, um and that's interesting and I, yeah as of you know it's just a final cherry on top to the conversation i think again just to reiterate this is very important to the conversation of U- ufos uh, aliens and cryptids in general, uh, this this chaos magic perspective, because um, it was Alan Moore that said um, he wrote in a comic book line, I believe it was from Hell, the story, the the graphic novel about Jack the Ripper, where he wrote a character saying that if nothing else, the gods exist in the psyches of the human. And he said that at that moment, I don't know if it was right after he wrote it or if during rereading it, but he said he had a life-changing epiphany and that's what got him down this chaos magical metaphysical road is understanding the deep significance of that Mm. regardless of the, of the, of the deeper metaphysics, the, the literal metaphysics of it all, the gods and UFOs and aliens and cryptids, they all 100% exist within the human psyche. And that honestly in and of itself changes everything. Once you, really admit that there is a relevance to the subjective yeah epsilon silver commented they look at magic as like normal i would assume does that mean like normal life which i've said that a million times on the podcast like we are living breathing magic as it is so when people look for all these like external things and these mystical things we are the thing explore your own mind you are the magic you know what i'm saying so right uh, very union sentiment that's our next t-shirt yeah i mean and and that that I, I truly believe that too. I mean, look, if if somebody told you, yeah, these these stars, you know, they explode, and once they explode, they emit all this dust, and this, you know, this dust, you know, eventually becomes you. It's like, well, I mean, when you think about it like that, you go from being just matter to this like organized, think critical thinking thing that's observing itself if you, you know, piece of you is still the universe, you know, like when people say it's, we are the universe observing itself. I think that that's true in a way we are an evolved version of the universe thinking of about itself. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So, and 
I, I don't know. I think that, uh, like you said, you gotta, um, just be grateful for life. Be grateful, you know, you count your, you know, count your blessings in your last breath and yeah, as above, so below, you know, that's, that's chaos theory as well. The whole fractal nature, the idea that humans are a little cosmos and that allegorically the cosmos is a big human. You know, that's where, you know, we've, that's where people have misconstrued and gotten this idea, in my opinion, have misconstrued and gotten this idea of a literal physical God instead of the deeper, um, the implications to physics and the psyche could be a giant's marble scenario all the way up and down you know marble like at the end of men in black no like the yeah giant's marble you've never heard that analogy (laughs) you know it's like it's just like thumbnail yeah but i mean i'm just saying like in terms of somebody mentioned the multiverse like we could just be like one little our universe is one little bubble and there's infinite bubbles and then there's different versions of those bubbles slightly different you know so i just think about it as like we does that even matter though in a a sense too you know like it's you to think about it is interesting but does it have some sort of bearing on this reality i don't think it does at this current moment but not particularly no if anything it could trip you up a lot more yeah you you get like a borderline oedipus complex happening if you start tripping about parallel universes and what happens in the future you might you might end up allegorically marrying your mother without knowing it uh because you took too many precautions like the louts uh the louts uh uh, if you're living you know if you're depressed you're living in the the past if you have anxiety you're living in the future and you know Mm. if if you're living in the present you're calm or serene or something like that yeah um nailed it but uh yeah, I just, um, you're wise beyond your years, Mr. Anthony. Um, I try, man. That's all I do. I just very try. Very good stuff again. Yeah, and Thanks. to the whole UFO, UAP thing, I think that it's going to be interesting to see what happens, obviously. I mean, I'm I've... very interested, this whole disclosure thing. I just say, people, be wary of disclosure. If that's the line in the sand that I draw at the end of this, I just... I really think that we should be wary of. Oh, I don't even. I don't this. like that. Where I don't even think about the disclosure. Like, let's, what? what Not we, to you guys. You guys. What are we know doing here? Up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, I just. Yeah, I don't like this whole gatekeeper sentiment. I think that ufology has been at its at its best. It has been and always will be a grassroots movement of the people uh, trying to get the answers. And if anything, that's just. I don't want to see people waiting for the gatekeepers to give them, to spoon feed them. No, you got to have these conversations, explore your mind, you know, explore explore consciousness. Yeah, absolutely. You know, become a psychonaut, you know, so. Yeah. I I hope the listeners got something out of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So if you're interested, we are about to hop off this. We're going to do a Patreon. If you're not a Patreon member, Uh, We're going to do a Patreon segment on good versus evil. Is there a metaphysical good and evil, or is this something that's a byproduct of patterns, archetypes, psychology? Uh, And if you're interested, head on over to patreon.com slash mindescapepodcast. Again, for just $2 a month, you'll get exclusive guest episodes and segments. We are about to do one right now on good versus evil with Anthony. And we're also on Discord, so if you are on Discord, come have a chat with us. We also do fan chats on there, which I'm probably going to set one up here for the next in the next week or two. Um, and one more time, head on over to indrasweb.org. This is the social media platform that we created to have these kinds of conversations. So if you're 
sick of riffraff and trolling and all that kind of stuff head on over there and come speculate hypothesize and theorize and uh yeah if you are if you have not already head on over at the bottom i have the link to uh, anthony's book the dive manual and you can also check out his website uh is it divemind.net yep you got it divemind.net so go check that out uh, Twitter handle dive mind six, six, seven, all lowercase. Um, hit me up if you have, any yeah, he's on Twitter. Start a dialogue. He's on Twitter. We've gone yeah, back but, and forth. Yeah. Um, I definitely, uh, advocate the Indra's web bump though. I have a little bit of action on there. I've been meaning to get into it more though. I've been, been working on fixing this car lately, man. I, um, so Indra's web at the top of the list after I've, fix my damn car i That's swear cool, man. <laughs> it's all good it's better it, get on there man it's not going anywhere we're still working on getting it in the app stores it is obviously live and up there for, you know for the internet version but uh we're gonna try and get it in the app store hopefully soon and that'll make it more accessible to people so um yeah and thanks everybody stay safe out there we love you and uh we'll catch you next time peace much peace. love